Good evening. It's very good to see you. And uh, we're going to start off with a game. So we need uh, the game rules on the screen, please, Ken. Uh, so for this, I need six volunteers. Quick fire. Uh, don't mess about with coming, not coming forward. Otherwise, I'm just going to pick on you. So six people, quick drawing game. You're not going to be embarrassed. Uh, if I'm, I'm going to count down from five, and I need you up here. One, two, three, four, five. Right. Um, come on. And Alice, um, brilliant. Anyone else who's on the front row? How many is that? One, two. Pete, you're in. Alice is in. Who's who's at the back? Uh, Paul, you're in. Come on. Joe, you're in. Uh, Who else? Come on, we'll have all the Pauls. Um, And Peter. Uh, Is that six? I've lost count. I have no idea. Is that too many? Have I picked too many? Well, whoever's in the chairs first, sit in the chairs, and then I'm going to explain the game. Okay? I need the first six of you in the chairs. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to have to send some of you home. You're off. You're off the hook. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, so the rules are this. Okay. Uh, the, the, you've got to sit back to back. Brilliant. You're sitting back to back. Uh, the, the people who are facing that end of the church, there should have been an envelope. Don't open the envelope yet. Uh, you're not allowed to look uh, behind you at the other person. Okay. Um, it's a bit late for that. We're, we're on. No, don't worry about the glasses. It'll make it more fun. Um, uh, no looking, okay, no cheating, and the, the person who's facing this way, okay, has to describe what it, oh, oh brilliant, it's obviously going to be a serious issue with the glasses, the person who is facing that way, you have to describe what is on your piece of paper for the person who's facing this way, okay, you are not allowed to say what is on the bit of paper, okay, so if you have a moose on your piece of paper, the thing that you're not allowed to say is, it's a moose. And I want three exact drawings of what is on the other person's bit of paper. Are you ready? And I, while, you're, while you're doing that, I'm going to give them something else to do. Is that all right? You ready? On your marks. Get set. Go. You, you're on a timer. Brilliant. Three minutes-ish. Uh, while they are doing that, uh, please could you talk with one another... Uh, just for, well, what is now 2 minutes 45 seconds, um, uh, your biggest communication failure uh, or your last communication failure. Please, could you share it? Embarrass yourselves with one another. Um, You're not allowed to have two attempts. Um, Just looking at the drawings, I think you've had enough time. So, folks, uh, face back this way and... um, I've lost Ken. Ken, I definitely need you here because we're going to camera now. Um, Pete and Tom, can you come and put your drawings down on the floor here? Um, And then can you, um, I need you by the mic. Just put your drawings on the floor. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, So um, here's, no, no, come back by the mic, please. So we need it on the phone cam, if we can. Excellent. Uh, so this is Tom's, uh, this is the original drawing, uh, and that's, that's, that's Tom's, it's not bad actually. How, how did you feel that went, Tom? It's quite good, okay, good, uh, excellent, um, well done. Next, next team, it was surprisingly good. We might just need to refresh it. Can you click on something else and then click back?
Great. Brilliant. Uh, so here we are. Oh, that's not bad. Very good. You're a very good communicator. Alice, and a good listener. Well done. Excellent. Do you feel it went okay, Peter? Good, well done. Okay. Uh, Nigel and Joe, come, come back this way. Brilliant. Come back here. Drawings here, please. Fantastic. You've done a great job. Um, excellent. Okay. Um, oh, we, need the, we need the original one as well. Can we refresh? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Hang on. All the elements are here. The, all the elements are there. Don't knock it. I think you've done an exceptional job. You've got the kind of curvy, smiley bit of the boat and some triangles. All right, well done. Give them a round of applause. Well done. Fantastic. Um, this evening, if we can go back to the slides, uh, we are thinking about Mythbusters. And last week we had this uh, chat about uh, our faith being private, except it's not. So that was the myth we busted last week. And uh, this week we're talking about God's unconditional love. And um, hopefully I will try and bust that myth. And, and if that's wound you up already, then just stay until the end of the talk, please. It gets good by the end, but we need to go on a journey. Um, let me tell you about this guy. Uh, he uh, was an old man from Newcastle. This was reported on Sky News recently. Uh, went uh, to uh, go to Rome uh, and put it in his sat-nav in his jag and got to Rome, uh, a small village in northern Germany. Um, got out of the car, a little surprised not to find it Rome in Italy because he'd gone to go and pay his respects and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, just one little E can make a big difference, can't it? And he ended up completely at the wrong end of Europe. Um, some of the rest of us might end up there as well, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, so let's talk about um, Mythbusters and God's love being unconditional. I wonder if you've ever done a Bible search on this phrase. You see, if you do a Bible search on God's love is unconditional, or even narrow it down and just do a Bible search on the word unconditional, can I tell you how many results you will find? Zero. There are none. I'm sorry, folks, but as lovely a phrase as this is... Uh, God's love is unconditional is not a phrase that is in the Bible. And the word unconditional doesn't even appear. Um, well, in the NIV. I mean, if you go to some expanded translations, you might get something, but it's not in any of the standard versions. So let's dig and come with me on a little journey, and we'll see if we can um, bust this myth and see what God wants to say to us. Um, so the first thing is, what does unconditional mean? Well, I'm, I had to look it up. Unconditional simply means not limited by conditions. So there are no strings attached. There are no conditions. It's a kind of does what it says on the word, on the word, on it, on the tin word. You know what I mean? That didn't come out well at all. I need to work on that one. Um, that, that's the advantage of preaching the same sermon three times over the course of a day. By the time you get to the end, it's, it's not bad. But you know, this is the first time round, so help me warm up. Um, 
What about the type of love? Well, in the Bible, there are uh, three sorts of love. There's this kind of uh, empathy bond, there's a friendship bond, there's eros, this romantic love. But the one that is most often talked about in Scripture is agape, this selfless, unchanging love of God. And it's the love that we are supposed to have for one another as fellow brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus Christ. What I'd love to do is just unpack four verses with you really quickly that talk about God's love. So um, if you want these verses afterwards, then um, ping us an email and I'll, and I'll, send, I'll send you all the slides because um, I'd love you to go away and look at them for yourselves and dig into them in terms of what you are seeing is pictured here. Because we have this lovely idea that, that God's love is just all-embracing, you know, and that he just loves everyone and he's completely unconditional, whatever that word means. Well, well no, we've defined what that means. It's not limited by conditions. So let's look at the verses. So the first verse is this. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You you see, the sentence doesn't stop with God so loved the world. There's more. There's stuff that follows on from the amazing, wonderful love of God. And it's this, it's that he so loved the world that he did something about it. He so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on a cross so that whoever believes is not going to be in the same state that they were in. They won't perish, but they'll have eternal life. Next one. This is from John, uh, 1 John 4, verse 10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So God's love for us means that he is going to pick up the bill. He is going to pay the price for our sin. He's going to deal with the consequences of our sin personally. Next one, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is Jesus talking. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So we've got two things kind of folded in here into this verse. The last bit is that, that God in his amazing grace and love pours out gifts on the whole of humanity. And he keeps on giving those gifts, sun and rain and the abundance of the good things that he has provided for us. And, and if you haven't kind of had your attention grabbed by the protests that are going on in London, folks, folks, we do need to pay attention to our world. He's given us good gifts and we haven't looked after the world. 
But those gifts he's given to everyone, regardless of whether they are following him or not. But there's this other bit, which is that his love is there even for those that don't love him. If he instructs us to love our enemies so that we can be like our father, then his love is the model because he loves us even before we've started to follow him. You see, in one way, it is true that God's love is unconditional, except there seem to be these other things that follow on from it as well. So let's look at the next one. Romans 5 verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the thing that's attached to God's amazing love is the fact that he does something about it. He comes in person and pays the price on the cross. He dies for us before He dies for us before we've made a response. He dies for us and expresses his great love for us and deals with sin before we've said, yes, I'd like to join in. That is amazing love, isn't it? That is staggering love. But let me try and make this make sense. You see, if, I was throwing a dinner for one of you. I mean, let's say I'm throwing a dinner for Meg. I mean, I don't want to make any announcements to be uncomfortable. Um, let's say I'm throwing a dinner for Meg. And, you know, I, I, spend, I spend hours, 20 minutes, in the kitchen preparing. Um, and, and then Meg, Meg's kind of like, yeah, but you know what? I just want to eat. And she comes in and she takes the plate off the table And she goes and sits in the front room and she goes and puts on comedy murder rather than sit in front of the table with me and eat the food. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be feeling as the person that had cooked the meal slightly uncomfortable and slightly put out. Just saying, this has never happened. I'm not the comedy murder bit, the meal bit. Uh, You can ask Meg about that. Um, You see, God has invited us to this amazing banquet. The banquet is supposed to be with him. He has not laid on a takeaway. He's not laid on a takeaway. He's not asking us just to come and stuff our faces and gorge to make ourselves happy away from him. He's paid the price to set us free to be in relationship with him. In Revelations, it says that Jesus knocks on the door. And if we open the door, he'll come in and he'll eat with us. We have another picture of a meal, don't we? That Jesus has instructed us in. A meal of remembrance in bread and wine. Where Jesus takes bread and breaks it with his friends and says, this is my body broken for you. And he takes the cup and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. 
And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. You see, his love, his love for us is not cheap. His love for us is way bigger than the shorthand of us talking about the unconditional love of God. His love may well be unconditional, but it came backed up by action where he came in person and had his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. Why? To set us free. It, I, I, I'm sure you've got this, but, uh, but you know, my, my brain kind of works in pictures, so I've given, you, I've given you some words and verses. I've given you a kind of illustration of a meal. Um, let, me, let me just flow chart it. You know, if, if you've got it already, just go with me, okay? Because I, I really want it to make sense, okay? You see, let's take this one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. So we've got God on this side, like the master builder, okay? Uh, I couldn't find another stock image to represent God well. Um, forgive me. Um, so there's God, okay? God the Father. Uh, okay, yeah, it's, it's not good enough, I know. Uh, and he loves the world. But his love, his unconditional love for humanity doesn't stop there. He comes in person and dies on a cross, And the result of that means that human beings can have their lives turned around so that they can reconnect with God the Father. This is what Jesus means by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to get to the Father, yeah, then you have to go through what Jesus has done, through the person of Jesus, and then you get to Jesus, then you get to God the Father. So here's the thing. With this phrase about unconditional love, actually the way that it's understood by lots of people is not the way that I've just been talking about. You see, what people would like to do with it is take out all the difficult bits. And what happens when we take out the difficult bits, like the painful bit in the middle, is if you remove the cross, what you do is you remove the result. If you remove the cross, you remove the result. You cannot have a cheap version of the unconditional love of God. Because the way that God loves us is that he sends his son to pay the price, to deal with our sin, to bring us back to the Father. If you remove the cross, you remove the result. Let me just throw in a few other things that you take out. If you take out the cross, if you want to make it easier for people to come to faith, Because the intention is often good. You know, it's surrounded in in phrases like, well, you know, just just come as you are. You know, it's going to be great. It doesn't doesn't matter what you've done. And and I want to say that to people. It really doesn't matter what you've done because the cross is going to cover it all. But if we never get to the cross bit, we never get to the point where where they get the opportunity to be made completely new. 
We just want to say, hey, come as you are and stay as you are because it's going to be great. Well, no, actually, come as you are. And he wants to make you brand new. (laughs) He wants to completely shake up your world and make you the best version that you could ever be of you by dealing with the things that you've done wrong. We use shorthand that is about stuff that happens after the cross. Like, you know, we can say to people, you know what? You're perfect already, just as you are. Because God's made you and he's made you good and he delights in you and you're perfect. And those are wonderful things to say to people. The thing is, you ain't been made perfect unless you've gone through the work of the cross. And then you've been made perfect. Then you're perfect. Before that, you're just fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 150, Psalm It's in the Psalms. 139. What happens is you get made perfect. We want to say to people, you are welcomed and accepted. Yes, they are welcomed and accepted. Come on in. Come on into what though? Come on in to the banquet that has been paid for in blood by Jesus on the cross. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use these phrases and be encouraging and embracing people. But what I am saying is that we should never water down the gospel. Because you know it is not true that anyone can come into his presence. The only way we can come into his presence is through Jesus Christ. If we try and come into his presence in any other way, this is not going to be pretty. He's got some stories about that, about people not being dressed right for his wedding feast. And what he wants to do is he wants to dress us right and clothe us in royal robes. And when we make it too cheap for people, when we try and take out the cross, we take out all that stuff. If you take out the cross, there's no forgiveness. If you take out the cross, there's no adoption as children of God. If you take out the cross, there's no being made holy. If you take out the cross, there's no entering into his presence. And there's some other theology at stake, by the way, if you take out the cross. We take out God as Father. We take out sin and we just make the whole thing a level playing field. And folks, that is not the Christian faith. What he's done for us is so rich and amazing and wonderful. I do believe That he loves us unconditionally. Even though that word is not a word that we find in the Bible. I mean you also don't find Trinity either. But that's a whole other thing. It's okay to use words that are not in the Bible. But what we need to do is use them well. To make sure that we share the fullness of what God has done. The fullness of who he is. Because we have been invited to a banquet. And we're to invite others to a banquet too. To a feast. A feast that God has laid on for us. And it's been made possible. Because of what he did on the cross. His love for us. We know in its fullness. Because of what he's done on the cross. Because of a covenant that he has made with us that has been signed in blood. So folks, will you 
Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. I'm going to pray, and then um, then I'm going to hand back to Joe and Joe. Um, and I don't know what we'll do after that, but um, I'll pray, and then we'll see how we get on. How about that? Um, as we pray let's just wait together it might be that there are some folks here who you've been kind of skirting around the edges of of God's love for you you've heard this wonderful invitation but actually you've not gone on the journey of the cross yet which is simply one where you say, Father God, I'm sorry. And you ask for his forgiveness. And he leads you by his grace, his free gift, into eternal life. Maybe you're here tonight and you've heard me talking about, talking about this message and, and you know that that is the journey that you need to go on right now and if that's you just where you are I'd love you to to pray with me I'm going to give you a phrase to pray and then you can simply echo it in your in your heart Father God thank you that you love me that you gave everything for me including your son Jesus to die on the cross for me and I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong Father forgive me fill me with your Holy Spirit and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer tonight, either nudge someone around you or come and find me or anyone here, but don't, don't leave this evening without having told someone that you've, you've begun that journey because we'd love to pray with you and celebrate with you. But it'd be great to pray with as many of you as possible tonight who, who just, just need to know that what I've talked about this evening is for you. That this is for you. The fullness of God's love worked through on the cross. And if you know that you'd, you'd love to be prayed for tonight, will, will you just come forward as we worship? I said it a couple of weeks ago that I was only going to ask once. Okay, so that was the ask, all right? If you need to come, then come. And let's worship together. Holy, Holy Spirit, as we worship, come and work in us. Come and do what you need to do.
whether we come forward or whether we stay where we are. Come and be glorified.